0: Hello, my friends. Thank you so much for joining me. I am Rick Thomas, and we're doing Life Over Coffee. Have you ever thought about how you can train your inner voice? Did you know? that you can train your conscience, that our conscience is moldable. This is one of the more important discussions that we can have because our conscience is a means of grace that God gives to us to signal to us that something is wrong inside of us. But if we're not careful, our consciences can become hard. You probably remember Paul talking about this in 2 Timothy or 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse number two, where he said that we can sear our consciences with a hot iron, and that is uh, one of the problems that we can have with our consciences. I'm going to talk a little bit later about the folks in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 8 specifically. That is a group of people who had a weak conscience, and so we see that our conscience can move across this spectrum from weak hard, And that is a signal to us that to know that our consciences are moldable. And so we have a responsibility in cooperating with God in the training of our consciences so that we uh, have consciences that are singing in tune with the Spirit of God and the Word of God. And that is the sweet spot to where God's Word, God's Spirit, and our consciences are all on the same page. And so I want to talk about how to train your inner voice. Thank you again for joining me. I do want to call out uh, my friend Heather Gaunt. She sent a picture to us, uh, maybe last week, I don't remember, and it was a photograph of her dashboard of her car, and as she was going somewhere, uh, she was listening to Life Over Coffee, and you could see it on her uh, panel on her car, on the computer screen that she had in her car, and it was so encouraging. Uh, I'm doing these podcasts and building these videos, and I'm just talking into space. There's nobody in front of me. I mean, the dog is even upstairs, and so there's nobody hearing me. But eventually, they go out, and then sometimes people will come back, and they will they will say they appreciate this or that. Well, Heather sent a a picture uh, showing the Life Over Coffee uh, album cover on her computer screen on her car, and it was just so encouraging. I actually put it on Instagram. I was so encouraged by it. And so, if you listen to our podcast, you watch our videos, I. Please subscribe. And not just subscribe, but share our resources with whosoever will. Uh, we give them away. We, we have a, a wonderful community of folks who have the ability to underwrite our ministry. In fact, Heather is one of our supporters, by the way. Uh, thank you, Heather and Tim, for that as well. Uh, but they underwrite our ministry, and so it allows us to give it away. It's a, it's a, a, a counterintuitive business model where you give all your product away. But we do, and God has been very faithful to meet our needs. And so I want you to do that as well. If you benefit from our podcast and videos, our articles, read, watch, or listen, then, then please subscribe and then also share those with others. It is my heartbeat to share the practical message of Christ globally. We just want people to get their hands on these resources, and you can help us do to do that you you can be partners with us in this missional outreach we are I, i'm a um global missionary i suppose a cyber missionary <laughs> i live quite nomadically as i go around the globe sharing these resources through cyberspace but you can help us do that and I wanted to thank Heather for sending that photograph, and it was just a reminder. It was an encouragement. And it's something I wanted to share with you so that you could be encouraged, too. All right, so let me talk about how to train our inner voices, our conscience. God gave everyone an internal moral thermostat. Think about a thermostat maybe on your wall in your home, and you can turn it up and you can turn it down. Well, our consciences are moldable or shapeable. They can go up or down in that Illustration. The word conscience means conscience. Now that is a Latin word and it means co-knowledge. And so you can hear in the word that there's an inner voice operative here. There's this co-knowledge that's working inside of us, and you know what your conscience is. It has been your your friend or your adversary depending. And that's what I want to talk about. I talk about, but it's been with us all the days of our lives. It is One of the means of grace that teaches us how to change. Did you know your conscience can motivate you to change? There are several means of grace that we see in God's word that that come alongside us like good companions that help us to change. One of those means of grace is our internal moral thermostat, our inner voice, our conscience. Another one is the spirit of God as he illuminates our mind, as he opens up God's word to us and help us to see what we previously could not see as he brings conviction in our lives when we are moving off the path and so we have our consciences we have the spirit of God we have the word of God of course it's like a lamp uh, attached to our feet that shows a light unto our path it gives us direction and then of course we have our friends the people of God and those are four essential means of grace that God gives us to help us in in the transformation process but of course we're fallen people we live in a fallen world and so we know that there could be miscalibrations. We know that we can get these things wrong and a miscalibrated conscience, well, it will not help us in the transformation process. A miscalibrated conscience can be our worst enemy, which is why I want to discuss this essential responsibility that all of us have in training our inner voice training our consciences the right way and so to illustrate that i want to bring my friend biff uh, out here and and talk just a little bit about his life and how he got himself in trouble and how he mishandled uh, his conscience and he trained it he calibrated it uh, where it moved more toward hardness than a sensitivity uh, to god's word and the spirit of god biff has been a believer uh, for many years but he's also been living in sin for many years and there have been a number of people who have come alongside him trying to be good companions to bring his problems to his attention to his attention in a loving way And Biff has chosen not to respond well to his friends and not to walk out repentance. There are several responses that we will have toward sin. You see, sin is not a neutral thing that we can ignore. You won't ignore it. Uh, Sin will do something to you, and we will react to it. And there are several reactions that we can choose One reaction is we can justify the sin that we just did. We can say there's nothing wrong with it to justify it. You're not guilty. Well, that would be a bad response to a transgression. We could rationalize the sin that we do. You know, we could say things like, uh, well, you know, everybody's doing it. You know, I mean, what's, what's the big deal? And there's a lot of rationalization for what's going on in our culture today. Uh, A third reaction or response could be blaming that woman you gave me. Uh, Well, if you hadn't have done this, I wouldn't have done that. And so justifying, rationalizing, blaming, those are three bad responses to sin. There's another one, alleviation. Sometimes when the weight of our sin begins to weigh us down, rather than responding appropriately to it, Uh, we go and do something else. We complicate it. Maybe we go and have a Netflix binge watch. Maybe we go for the comfort food in the pantry. Maybe we go for alcohol. Maybe we go for porn. Maybe we go for shopping. Maybe we go for fill in the blank, but it is a a method to alleviate the pressure that we feel that has happened inside of us. Those are four bad responses to our transgressions, justifying them, rationalizing them, blaming them, or alleviating them. Any of those will only complicate our trouble and it will harden our hearts. The only right response, the fifth response is repentance, that we choose to fling that sin from us, that we choose to accept the forgiveness, the mercy, the grace, the blood of Christ, the transgression remover. You see, our consciences are not neutral. But our consciences will react to our choices, to whatever our choices are. If we make the right choices, biblical choices, our conscience will sing a sweet song and it will affirm what we're doing as right. But if we make the wrong choices and then come back behind those choices and justify, rationalize, blame, or alleviate, then our conscience will take revenge on us. A conscience will react to how we respond to the situations in our lives, whether we respond sinfully or biblically. And if we do not respond biblically to sin... What what happens is our conscience will react by laying down a, a thin layer over the top of itself, and that is what happened to Biff. That is the beginning of the hardening process. Let me explain. You see, Biff is similar to a person who lays in the sun too long. The skin, which can which is a beautiful thing. But it's reacting to that heat. It's trying to, uh, it's self-preservation. And, and so it, it's, it's uh, mobilizing and, and trying to react to this heat that's coming on the body. And so what the skin does is that it toughens in reaction to the rays. And so whether an unrepentant sinner or a sunbather, the result is the same in that our sensitivities are altered in unnatural ways. And so you can see how, depending on how we respond to guilt and conviction, we can soften or we can harden our inner voice. A tender conscience has a sensitivity to the truth of God's Word. This person wants to walk in line with the truth, responding promptly and precisely to conviction, the spirit of God, and the inner voice. Again, they're singing that same tune, and that is the sweet spot where all of us want to be. I mean, even a temporary transgressor, and we're all temporary transgressors, We have episodic moments of sin. You see, Biff is living in a pattern of unrepentant sin. That is different from what I'm calling a temporary transgressor. For those of us who have those episodic moments where we sin, we can live in a continual state of love and joy and peace and holiness and victory if we are genuine repenters. If we choose option number five, I'm not going to justify. I'm not going to rationalize. I'm not going to blame. I'm not going to alleviate, but I choose door number five. I'm going to walk through that door and I'm going to repent. I'm going to be cleansed from all unrighteousness. And as we sin, In episodic ways, if we are genuine repenters who want to love God and love others more than ourselves, then we can live in a steady state of love, joy, peace, holiness, and victory. But if a person chooses to resist repentance, then their conscience, like the sunbather, like their skin, it will take revenge on that sad soul. They won't experience the freedom in Christ's work on the cross that removes transgressions. This person will operate under another strategy as he tries to negotiate a different way to deal with sin, because again, sin is not neutral. You have to do something with it. You can think of it maybe like cancer. You can ignore it. You can try to ignore it, but it will have an effect on you. And sin is very similar. And so if you choose not to repent, then you're going to deal with it a different way. And no matter what way that is outside of repentance, it will be a futile attempt, only releasing the conscience to take that revenge on the captive soul. When a person is unrepentant, the conscience has no choice but to harden itself. Go back to the illustration that I was sharing with you earlier about the sunbather, and they're just frying their skin. The skin has no choice. It has absolutely no choice. It's got to mobilize, and it's got to harden itself. It's got to toughen itself because it's trying to protect itself it does this so the transgressor can live with himself. You see, if you sin and your inner voice is going off all the time, ding, 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 and you're just hearing this, you're doing wrong, you're doing wrong, you're doing wrong, you're doing wrong, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. And if you choose not to repent of that, you got to do something with that noise inside of your head. There's a lot of people that are living with this amped-up soul noise that's going on inside of them and not knowing what to do with it. This is where you will find a lot of justification, rationalization, blaming, and alleviation. I asked a lady one time in my former life at work, I asked her if she ever, when she went home at the end of the day, did she did she ever drive home uh, without the radio on? And she said, no, absolutely not. There's no way in the world I would do that because she couldn't take the silence. Because in reality, there wasn't any silence because of the soul noise that was so amped up inside of her. She didn't know about Christ. She didn't know about... Actually, she did. Uh, sadly, she did and she chose to reject Christ choosing these other means to try to mitigate the noise that was going on in her soul her conscience was blaring that you you can't do this you can't and she was having such a hard time living with herself so she alleviated by playing a lot of noise she could the silence was was so loud that she had to distract her inner voice by the music that was blaring through the amplifier in the car. If I repeatedly cut my hand, I'm changing illustrations now, but if I repeatedly cut my hand, eventually it will toughen to the point where I will not be able to feel the pain. And that's what my friend was doing by distracting herself through the music she 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 was trying to recalibrate her conscience so that she couldn't hear her inner voice. Can you perceive how dangerous that is? You see, a healthy body is supposed to react in some form of self-preservation. And so if I keep cutting my hand over and over again, yes, it's going to toughen because my body is going to mobilize because it doesn't want to die. And so it's going to get hard. That is what a healthy body is supposed to do. Well, our God-given consciences will do a similar thing if the transgressor refuses to repent. The conscience is trying to coexist, co-knowledge, conscience. It's trying to coexist with a person who refuses to stop harming itself, And and so the skin is trying to live with a human being who refuses uh, to, to get out of the sun. And so it has to toughen itself. And so the person who refuses to stop sinning or refuses to stop justifying, rationalizing, blaming, or alleviating, then the conscience is like, he's not going to help me. And so I'm just going to have to harden myself. This side effect to the unrepentant, eventually will lose the possibility of ever having a biblically informed conscience because he has desensitized himself to the truth of God's Word. He has become so hard. Now, this is what Paul was talking about in 1 Timothy 4, two. Their conscience has been seared with a hot iron. And of course, the illustration that we use there is that of a cattle rancher who takes a a branding iron, and puts it on the rump of the cow uh, to put the brand there, and he's searing it. It's searing the skin, and we can sear our consciences. One of sin's greatest deceptions is how it blinds the mind from perceiving the dangers, and it does this by muting the inner voice, the very gift that God gave to all people, saved or lost, it doesn't matter if you're saved or lost, God has given every human a conscience. We see this in Romans 2, verses 14 and 15. God has given us the conscience so that we can distinguish between truth and error. And when we know that we have made an error, it is our opportunity to respond biblically so that we can get back in line with God's word and be in that sweet spot. But that is not what Biff is doing. And so his conscience is taking matters in his own hands, so to speak, and is saying, well, he's not going to get this sin out of here. And so therefore, I got to toughen myself. And so it lays down this layer of hardness which can go from dull to hard to searing, and that is the process. Now, a tender conscience, as we look at the spectrum, well, that's on the other end. A tender conscience is different from a hard one. A tender conscience is what you want, a sensitivity to the Spirit of God. Now, a tender conscience is different from a weak conscience. A weak conscience is what we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, all 13 verses. That is the person on the opposite end of the spectrum from a hard conscious individual that we see in 1 Timothy 4.2. And so while Biff has rationalized and justified his sin away, the weak conscience person, this kind of individual has a longer sin list than even God does. You see, Biff is trying to justify his sin as though it does not exist. He has no sin list. And that's what he's trying to do, to whittle it all away. And if he becomes so desensitized, he will not be able to perceive sin at all. But then a weak conscience person, they can see sin when There is not sin. They can have an extended sin list even much longer than what God would even teach in his Bible. They have many perceived sins that are not sins at all. And that goes back to 1 Corinthians chapter 8 where we have these new converts. They were Jews beforehand. They heard the message of Christ and they were regenerated. They were born a second time. But when they came into their new Christian faith, they brought their former manner of life with them, and that's what we all do. We bring our shaping influences like backpacks into our new Christian experience, and so we have that old junk in our new life, and that's the process of progressive sanctification. Well, in 1 Corinthians 8, these new converts, some of the stuff that was in their backpack. One of the things that was in their backpack was a belief that if you eat meat that was sacrificed to idols, you're sinning. And of course, that was not a sin, according to Scripture. Paul said that eating that kind of meat was not wrong. And he identified the problem in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Their problem is not eating meat. But their problem is, is they have a weak conscience. Uh, He said because of their former associations, because of their former manner of life, they were trained this way. They were trained to think that that was wrong, when in reality it wasn't wrong. And so unlike Biff, who had virtually nothing in his sin list because he had justified, rationalized, alleviated, blamed everything away... These weak conscience people had an elongated uh, sin list that they could continue to add to, and Paul was saying that these people need conscience retraining to eat meat offered to idols while not experiencing self-imposed self-condemnation for doing something others said was wrong, but God said was not. And so they needed to recalibrate or retrain their conscience so that there was not this self-imposed, self-condemnation. And even though others said, you are sinning, God says you're not. And so they're stuck in this tough spot because they've had this adverse training. But now God's saying, I want to set you free. And they're trying to figure out how to extricate themselves from that type of bondage. And it's all tied into having a weak conscience. It was not a big deal to Paul, but it was meat eating was not a big deal to Paul. But meat eating was a big deal for these new weak Christian converts. Now, sometimes for some of us, our families, our religious environments, our cultural traditions, they falsely teach a rigid lifestyle that is contrary to the Bible. Legalism is rife with a bunch of weak conscience people where there is just a long list of things that are sin or sin adjacent, so sin adjacent that I'm not going to do it. Now I have this self-imposed self-condemnation, and I'm just a weak conscience person, and I don't know how to be free. And many of you have been in legalistic cultures where you have an elongated sin list or sin-adjacent list, and you live very insecure or weak conscious. The insecurity comes from this conscience that's blaring away that's wrong that's wrong. You're sinning. Don't do that anymore. And Paul is saying, no, 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 no. You're free to eat meat. Enjoy the happy meal. If you wish, I do not wish. I think that's awful food. No shade on McDonald's, but I don't want the happy meal but I'm free to eat it and not be sinning. God's Word should inform every conscience how to live well in His world. Our conscience and the Bible should be in the same place when trying to decipher what is actual sin and what is not while responding accordingly. You will never be freer than when your conscience and God's word sing in tune. Unfortunately, Biff has chosen to ignore the conviction that he senses. As informed by the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and even the people of God who have tried to come around him. He is using twisted techniques to silence his inner voice, like justification, rationalization, alleviation, and blaming. Biff thinks because he can't hear his conscience, he is okay. Biff is not okay, not by any stretch. Silence is not golden or Biff. God gave him a warning signal, but he has shut it down to where he's flying blind, and that is the worst of all human conditions. Blind to your blindness. I've been talking about how to train your inner voice. I want to wrap up here by asking a few questions. You're welcome to jump on our website, and you could probably just type in uh, inner voice or train your inner voice, something like that. And you can read everything that I just shared with you. You can listen to the podcast embedded, the video embedded. You can read, watch, or listen. But if you go to the bottom of the article, uh, there are some uh, questions. And I, I would love for you to work through these questions personally as I have. And then, of course, if you want to, like, take this article and print it off, that would be fantastic. And then, pass it out to your small group and say, hey, let's talk about this, my friend Judy. Uh, She's going through our counseling program, and she has just said today on the forum uh, that many ladies in her church are appreciating the resources that she's been uh, giving them. And it's creating a lot of conversation, and they're truly benefiting from it. And you can do that, too. All right, so here's just a handful of questions for you. Number one, how would you describe your conscience? Is it weak, like the Corinthian believers who couldn't eat the Happy Meal? Is it hard, like in First Timothy, seared with a heart hot iron? Or is it biblically informed, a tender conscience, a, a sensitive, appropriately biblically sensitive conscience, weak, hard, biblical? How would you describe your conscience? Number two, what have been some of the shaping influences that have trained your conscience for good or evil? One of the shaping influences that has trained your conscience for good has been God's Word. It has been the Spirit of God, and there have been a number of people in your life who have come alongside you who have helped you to uh, unravel and to reorganize and recalibrate your conscience. You've had good mentors in your life as well. I trust that we have been, in part, uh, for some of you, at least, a good shaping influence. But there's also evil influences as well. And as you think about this, the evil influences, guard your heart because it could be easy to think about uh, some of the things that have happened in our past that may be shaped us in adverse ways, and we're still struggling with those things. Well, you don't want to complicate that by grumbling or complaining, by sinning, uh, because you could even justify your reaction to what they did, and and that will in itself have a hardening effect on your conscience. So this question could be really loaded uh, like a minefield. And so as you think about the evil shaping influences in your heart, I trust that you're in a place of freedom, And you're not encumbered by those things. And you can talk about those things the way Joseph did. You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. And you come at it from a positive perspective, a sovereign perspective, and not a sinful negative one. And so when I ask the question, what have been some of your evil-shaping influences, I do appeal to some, at least, to guard your heart as you even think about the question. Number three, if your conscience has adverse shaping What do you need to do now that you know what the problem is? And then number four, there are five common ways that we alter our consciences. I mentioned this earlier. One is proper, while the other four can be damning. And you already know them as I said them to you. So my question is, which one is at the top of your list when you sin? Do you justify? Do you rationalize? Do you alleviate? Do you blame? Those are the four bad ones. Or do you repent? Which one is your number one call to action? And then number five, there are four means of grace to train our consciences correctly. God's Word, the Bible, it's the canon. The Spirit of God is the comforter, your friends is the community, and your inner voice is your conscience, those are the four C's that trains us, our conscience, our conscience helps to train us. The community, the comforter, and the canon, God's Word. And then finally, number six, how are these four means of grace working for you? And what changes do you need to make so your conscience can be more biblically informed? All right, so thank you so much for listening and watching by video. Uh, If you want to get on the article, I also have a graphic inside embedded in this article. I just built it a couple of weeks ago, and it really got a lot of play out on social media. So I thought I need to put it in here so you can have quick access to it. And the title of this infographic is 10 10 step process to a hard heart. And so I break that down and it will be very instructive with this, uh, this content that I just shared with you and that would be helpful. Let me also uh, let you know about my book, Uh, those of you who are watching my video here you can see it change me Uh, if you want to do a deep dive into the transformation process just google change me rick thomas on amazon and ask them to ship it to your door they'll be glad to do that Uh, you can get that book also uh, we do have a supporting member website and uh, every day monday through friday uh, i do direct video messages and so it's a training site for a a closed community And where you can interact, you can interact with me directly interact with our team. And so if you want more mentoring and coaching support, uh, please jump on our supporting community and you'll have five videos a week. They're not terribly long. Uh, They can be anywhere from three minutes to fifteen minutes, Uh, but every day Monday through Friday, I do a direct video message just to our supporting community. And then there's a lot of interaction that you can choose to follow some of the threads, or you can choose not to, so you don't bombard your email uh, inbox. Uh, But if there's threads that you want to uh, be part of, you can choose those threads of people talking. Uh, in our community. And that could be a good training resource for you as well. And so you got the podcast, the video, the article, the infographic. you got my book. You can become part of our supporting community. And I trust that these things will help you as you continue to recalibrate your conscience as I seek to do uh, the same with mine. How to train your inner voice. Thank you so much. May God bless